of the world is within you. Sacred and worthy is your soul. A place has been made for you. Welcome to the First Unitarian Society of Denver podcast. Thank you for joining us on this journey of the mind, the heart, and the spirit. You may find us on the web at fusden.org or find us on Facebook. Today's audio selections are from First Unitarians online service held Sunday, November 8th, 2020. The title is Picking Up the Pieces. The homily is by Reverend Mike Moran with contributions by Reverend Tawana Davis and Aaron Kenworthy. Our call to worship this morning is the Beatitudes of Unitarian Universalism, loosely modeled on the Beatitudes of Jesus and the principles and purposes of Unitarian Universalism by Reverend Mike Moran. Blessed is every person, for all are sacred and worthy. Blessed are those who practice compassion and justice, for there is a unity that makes us one. Blessed are the tolerant, for what goes around comes around, and none are entirely pure of heart. Blessed are those who seek truth with mind and heart, for the spirit of life lives within them. Blessed are those who honor democracy, for diversity is the intended order of things. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they do their work knowing it will never be complete. Blessed are those who know the one in all and the all in the one, for nothing is excluded from the circles and cycles of life. Blessed are those who live what they preach and believe, even when the struggle is uphill for they stand in the company of prophets and saints, grateful for the gifts of mind, body, and spirit that are not of our own making. Let us strive to live with an open heart, for only love fulfills. Welcome to worship this morning. Good morning, First Unitarian Denver. A couple of joys and concerns I want to hold up at this moment before we get to the prayer of the day. Uh, and at this moment, Kamala Harris is on deck to become the first woman and the first woman of color to become vice president of the United States. That is a big, big deal. Uh, to be clear, the United States is way, way behind other nations around the world in terms of electing women to positions of power, like way, way behind. Nonetheless, this is huge. Congratulations to Kamala Harris and to President-elect Joe Biden today. A huge shout out this morning to all the people who made the election happen in an orderly, sane, and dare I say it, democratic manner. I am talking specifically about Mary Ann Thompson and Randall Loeb, both members of our congregation who have volunteered with the Election Commission for years of time. Uh, rain or shine, uh, heck or high water. Uh, I'm also talking about Alton Dillard, who lends his professional skills and passion to the uh, to having smooth elections all day, every day of his professional life. I want to hold up all of our members and friends at First Unitarian who helped analyze ballot issues and pros and cons and get the word out to the rest of us through the League of Women Voters and other organizations, all our members who helped search for disinformation on social media and then helped get it corrected, the dozens 
Moore, who wrote cards and sent texts and staffed phone banks and knocked on doors and stood on street corners to get out the vote. Uh, and while we're at it, thanks to the postal workers uh, and the poll watchers and even the politicians who lent uh, their voices in their positions of power to uh, urge everyone to have a clean and calm process. There is much to celebrate today. On a immediate note of concern, Jamie Schwartz, one of our members, is, um, is looking for some help saving a Cameroonian immigrant from deportation and almost certain death. There was more information in the email that went out this morning uh, telling you about our service today, uh, and I believe Jamie um, will be putting her contact information into the chat box any minute now if she hasn't already. Please contact Jamie if you'd be willing to write a letter or add your name to someone else's letter to try and save this particular immigrant's life. This morning we hold Susan and Paul Ryderer in our hearts. Susan's mother, Pat Shannon, passed away last week, along with two other close relatives of the family. Much death in the Ryderer family uh, this week, uh, and we send courage and comfort to Susan and Paul today. Lastly, uh, I want to say thank you to my dear friend, Reverend Tawana Davis, uh, when I asked her if she would contribute to this particular service on Lament, she said yes. And it is always an honor and a privilege to welcome Reverend Tawana into the sacred space of this community. Our prayer today on the theme of Lament is from the Lebanese poet Khalil Gibran. Um, it was chosen specifically for this service, recognizing that despite what for many of us was very, very good news yesterday, Today, yesterday, yes, uh, there has also been so very, very much that has been lost. And there is so very, very much that needs acknowledgement and healing. This is from Khalil Gibran. And a woman spoke saying, tell us of pain. And he said, your pain is the breaking of the shell that encloses your understanding. Even as the stone of the fruit must break, that its heart may stand in the sun, so you must know pain. And could you keep your heart in wonder at the daily miracles of life, your pain would not seem less wondrous than your joy. And you would accept the seasons of your heart, even as you have always accepted the seasons that pass over your fields. And you would watch with serenity, serenity through the winters of your grief. Much of your pain is self-chosen. It is the bitter potion by which the physician within you heals your sick self. Therefore, trust the physician and drink his remedy in silence and tranquility. For his hand, though heavy and hard, is guided by the tender hand of the unseen. And the cup he brings, though it burn your lips, has been fashioned of the clay which the potter has moistened with his own sacred tears. Amen. Greetings, beloved. Picking up the pieces. 
the healing power of the lament. We will begin by offering a scripture from the Old Testament of these Christian traditional scriptures from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 17, verses 14 through 18a. And the Message Bible reads, God, pick up the pieces. Put me back together again. You are my praise. Listen to how they talk about me. Where is this God? Where is God? We, we, we'd like to see something happen. But it wasn't my idea to call for doomsday. I never wanted trouble. We never wanted trouble. You know what I've said. It's all out in the open before you. Don't add to our troubles. Give us some relief. Jeremiah's confession shows a thawing of anger expressed in the laments. Rather than attacking the divine, Jeremiah asks for healing and proclaims loyalty to the divine through trusting the process and looking beyond what we see and what we experience. The lament is where you release releasing and pouring out anger and brokenness and frustration and pain to expect restoration of love, reconciliation, peace, hope, and healing. The book of Jeremiah may be best appreciated as a conversation among communal voices like today, voices that explore, attempt to come to grips with and move beyond national tragedy that destroyed so much of this community's life. This book strives to explain the catastrophe of the nation's exile and to restructure the world in its aftermath, picking up the pieces. In the next sacred text penned by Langston Hughes, we find another example of lament, a truth-telling release with the expectation of picking up the pieces of hope and making something beautiful out of a, and liberating out of a heinous past. Let America be America again. Let America be America again. Let it be the dream it used to be. Let it be the pioneer on the plane, seeking a home where oneself is free. America was never free to me. Let America be the dream the dreamers dreamed. Let it be that great strong land of love where never leaders connive nor tyrant scheme that anyone be crushed by one above. It was never America to me. Oh, let my land be a land of liberty is crowned with no false patriotic wreath, but opportunity is real and life is free. Equality is in the air we breathe. There's never been equality for me, nor freedom in this homeland of the free. Say, who, who are you that mumbles in the dark? Who are you that draws your veil across the stars? I am the poor white fooled and pushed apart. I am the Negro bearing slavery scars. I am the indigenous one driven from this land. I am the immigrant clutching the hope I seek and finding only the same old stupid plan of dog eat dog of mighty crush the weak. I am the young person full of strength and hope tangled in the ancient 
endless chain of profit, power, gain, of grab the land, grab the gold, grab the ways of satisfying need, of the work of the people, of take of pay, of owning everything for one's own greed. I am the farmer, bondsman to the soil. I am the worker, sold to the machine. I am the Negro servant to you all. I am the people hungry, humble, mean, hungry yet today, despite the dream, beaten yet today, oh pioneers. I am the one who never got ahead, the poorest worker battered, bartered throughout the years. Yet I am the one who dreamt our basic dream in the old world while still a surf of leaders who dreamt a dream so strong, so brave, so true that even yet it's mighty daring sings in every brick and stone, in every furrow turned that's made America the land it has become. Oh, I'm the one who sailed those early seas in search of what I meant to be my home for I am the one who left the dark Ireland shore and Poland's plain and England's grassy lay and torn from black Africa's strand, I came to build a homeland of the free. The free? Who said the free? Not me, surely not me. The millions on relief today the millions shot down while we strike, the millions who have nothing for our pay, for all the dreams we've dreamed, for all the songs we've sung and all the hopes we've held and all the flags we hung, the millions who have nothing for our pay except the dream that's almost dead today. Ah, oh, let America be America again, the land that never has been yet and yet must be the land where everyone is free. The land that's mine, the poor ones, the indigenous ones, the Negroes, me, who made America, whose blood, sweat, whose faith and pain, whose hand at the foundry, whose plow in the rain must bring back our mighty dream again. Sure, call me an ugly name if you choose. The steel of freedom does not stain. From those who live like leeches on the people's lives, we must take our land again, America. Oh yes, I say it plain. America was never America to me. And yet I swear this oath, America will be. Out of the rack and ruin of our gangster death, the rape and rot and graft and stealth and lies, we, the people, must redeem the land, the mines, the plants, the rivers, the mountains, and the endless plain. All the stretch of these great green states and make America again. In both sacred texts, we find a charge. Today's charge for you is to experience the healing of the lament, acknowledgement of a heinous past, currently dismantling systems of supremacy, dehumanization, oppression, sanctioned violence, all in lament of repentance and forgiveness in the hopes of picking up the pieces of a beautiful, just, 
egalitarian future full of dignity, love, humanity, healing, freedom, and liberation for all. Ashe, Ashe, Asheo. So, First Unitarian, at least some of you will be relieved that the message today has almost nothing to do with elections and presidents or Congress. We have all had quite enough of those in the past six months, and especially the past three weeks have been relentless, stressful, and nerve-wracking. We have had our collective faces rubbed in the bare and naked divisions of our country, our families, our communities, and none of that stuff is going away. We will undoubtedly come back to it in future services, but today, today we are trying to look within in order to look forward. The staff and I planned this service weeks ago, recognizing uh, that it would be relevant no matter who won the election. And again, uh, gratitude to my friend, Reverend Tawana Davis, for her presence today. She gave us a charge, as she is wont to do when you give her that opportunity. Uh, and the charge was this. She said, to harness the healing power of lament, acknowledgement of a heinous past, dismantling systems of supremacy and oppression, a lament of repentance and forgiveness in hopes of picking up the pieces of a beautiful, just, egalitarian future full of dignity and love and liberation for all. That's a tall order. And not to dwell on it, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to dwell on it, but just to acknowledge some of the things we have felt and seen in recent years. I think of Sandy Hook and the massacre of children about which our government has done exactly nothing. Outrageous. I think about terrified immigrant children ripped away from their mothers and forced into cages. Unconscionable. I think of all the innocent black lives taken in our country, brutalized, incarcerated, redlined, trapped in generational poverty, disgraceful, sinful, unforgivable, really, violent. I think about a president who lies, lies repeatedly, lies impulsively, whose inaction and propaganda has directly caused tens of thousands of deaths and half the country voted to keep him. Bewildering, scandalous, morally appalling. I could go on and on. You know I could. This world we live in Huge chunks of it live violently and in violent contradiction to the deepest values of our faith, all that we hold sacred. How do we deal with this? Like emotionally, spiritually, how do we keep from just going numb? Theologically and emotionally, lamentation, 
in the biblical spiritual sense is qualitatively different from just a complaint or just venting about all the things we don't like. To lament is to be brutally honest about the state of our grieving soul, giving language and giving expression to spiritual anguish. To lament is to try and get right with the goddess or our God or whatever is most high and most holy in our hearts. And in that sense, a lament is also confessional. Psalm number 88 from the Old Testament is a fine example of a lament. I'm quoting here. I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead. Like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care, you have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord, every day. I spread my hands out to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness and your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood. You have taken from me, friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. (sighs) Who speaks like this? Can you imagine... I mean, can you just imagine who might speak like this? The family of Sandra Bland. The children of George Floyd. The mother of Tamir Rice. The Palestinian mother whose son has been blown apart by an Israeli bomb or shot by an Israeli soldier. A refugee from Syria or Sudan forced to leave everything they've ever known of a home, traveling in a foreign country, stopped by fences and barbed wire, spit on by natives, holding their cold, hungry children with literally no place to go. I've personally never experienced anything remotely like that, anything near that devastating, and I have felt like that psalmist in Psalm 88. Hopefully you have never felt or experienced or experienced anything like those things I just listened, listed, and I bet you too have also felt like the psalmist. When someone you love has died, when your parents divorced, when you divorced, when the death of a relationship came, when your dream job or any job became the memory of a time when you weren't relying on unemployment checks to get by. Anyone who carries any of the invisible illnesses like depression, anxiety, chronic pain, and so on, you have felt this way. And our culture, American culture, white culture in particular, teaches us that emotional outpourings like that are 
aberrations. There's something wrong with us if we moan or wail or cry out in pain or give in to despair even temporarily. And that's just messed up. That's wrong. That's dangerous. That's called denial. And we, in fact, are a culture that functions largely on denial. And as in so many other things, other older cultures have wisdom about this kind of thing that we ignore to the detriment of everyone. I think closing off our own lament makes us less compassionate to those who live in lament. I wonder about the spiritual, social, relational costs of living in a culture where phony certainty has replaced honest questioning. I wonder if being in denial about the depths of lament and despair makes us more complacent and complicit in the very systems that create lament and despair, the state of politics, the violence of poverty and racism, the destruction of the planet and the ecosystems that sustain us. Walter Brueggemann once wrote, these psalms, these laments, become a script for learning how to say what we have never been permitted to say. The truth, speaking the truth, all of the truth, is necessary, though, for healing. Reclaiming that what has, which has been denied is essential for health and for wholeness, for ourselves, for the systems that drive lament and despair, and for co correcting our toleration or complicity in those systems. It just has to be all right to be angry, to be outraged, to feel lost and forsaken. It's part of the human package. One last thing. One of the things lamentation shows us is that lamentation and praise go together. Somewhat in the way memory and hope go together. It's not an either-or proposition. You don't get one without the other because that's not the way the world works. That's not the way we humans are wired. It is a wholeness proposition. As people of faith, we are called to move forward with all the pieces in place, fortified by the truth of things, solid in our knowledge and experience of joy as well as pain, <clears throat> the sacred as well as the profane, courage as well as the paralyzing fear. So cry it out. Wail it into the darkness. Confess it to your lover, your therapist, your minister, your best friend, your God, your goddess, or otherwise, if you have one. It's okay. You can take it. 
You are wired to be resilient. You are wired to heal, wired to do the work of justice, wired to transcend the arbitrary limitations of culture and grow into the human you were born to be. And that is my hope for you today. And that's my hope for all of us. That's my hope for our country. As Reverend Tawana charged us, harness the healing power of lamentation. Acknowledgement of a heinous past, dismantling systems of supremacy and oppression, a lament of repentance and forgiveness in the hopes of picking up the pieces of a beautiful, just, egalitarian future full of dignity, love, and liberation for all. Amen. benediction today is from Adrian Rich. My heart is moved by all I cannot save. So much has been destroyed. I have to cast my lot with those who age after age, perversely, with no extraordinary power, reconstitute the world. Amen. Thank you for being with us today.